Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. And boy, are we going to get better today. Our quote of the day, there is no greater gift you can give or receive than to honor your calling. It is why you were born and how you become most truly alive. That's from a little known person named Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Guys, this is part two of our chat with uh, Jonathan Fields. So excited to have this part of the conversation because we got a little backstory on how we got here and now he's going to help us figure out what the heck we need to do with our lives. So when you type, what should I do into Google and there's a decent chance it'll finish your sentence with my life. If you're feeling a bit lost or have no clear sense of what you're here to do, you're not alone. Millions are right there with you searching for an answer to the same question, yet never quite finding it. This perpetual discontent shows up in our personal and professional lives as anxiety, futility, disengagement, malaise, and manifests in many other physical and emotional ways. It affects not just how we feel, but also how we show up in our work, our relationships, and our lives. Our focus is scattered. 
We know we're not performing anywhere near our potential. And this nagging lack of purpose and possibility that feels like a perpetual drag in our systems. Maybe you felt some or all of that. That is a passage from Jonathan's book, Sparked, which is amazing. And I loved um, you've seen him on the show. Of course, Jonathan Fields is an award-winning author, Webby nominated producer, business innovator, and host of one of the world's top podcasts, Good Life Project. He's also the chief architect behind Spark Types, your life's work DNA. Um, so today we're back with Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Hello. We're going to figure out what makes us come alive. <laughs> So how do we know what to do with our lives? <laughs> <laughs> you just snap your fingers and it magically downloads into your head and you're good. That's pretty much it. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I did. I don't know if it works for anyone else, but <laughs> you have to snap in a very particular way though, or else it doesn't work. It's oh. completely gets messed up. Well, there you go, everybody. Now we know the secret. Thank God. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, this has been the question that's been on my mind for the better part of three decades, if I'm honest with you. Um, it's it's actually kind of interesting that we're having this conversation when we're having it, um, because I've been thinking back to when the seeds of my curiosity about, you know, this big existential question, what do we do with our lives and how do we find a new work that fills us up? I was I was thinking back and I was trying to figure out when did this seed really get planted with me? and we're uh, coming into you know now the 20th anniversary um, of 9/11. Mm-hmm. Um, being a longtime New Yorker, um, uh, recently uh, moved out of the city after 30 years in the city. I was in the city uh, during 9/11, and I had some pretty intense experiences, like so many other people did. Um, one of them revolved around uh, the loss of somebody that I knew. Um, and who was who was a young father of two very young kids and married and a partner in one of the like big firms at the top of one of the towers that was almost entirely um, n- no longer on the planet. Um, and I had an experience where my wife and I and our then three year old baby visited um, his wife and realized that you know we have one pass through. Um, and nobody makes any guarantees that you're going to go to work one day or go out of the house one day and come home that night. And it was really brought into me in a, in a deep, in a visceral level by that experience in a not dissimilar way that a lot of people are realizing that right now in this season, um, of culture and history and what's going on around us. And I started this path, this questioning, you know, I said, you know, earlier I had this experience that, that we've talked about before in the law and leaving it behind to do things that really nourished me. But I really start to focus on the bigger question more broadly, like just for everybody. How do we how do we figure out what is this thing? Like, is there a thing that we do uh, that would give us a sense of purpose and and meaning and fill us with energy and excitement and let us feel like we're doing the thing that we're here to do? Um because every moment that we're not doing that is a moment that we're not on the planet in a way that we could be. Um, and what I realized pretty quickly is that, you know, there are as much as there are 7.8 billion people on the planet, there are probably 7.8 billion times so many other different ways to actually do that thing. 
But what I got really curious about is underneath all those surface level jobs and devotions and roles, whatever they may be, are there a really deeper set of impulses for work that give you that feeling of being alive that are identifiable, that we can identify them, we can map them. And it's a much smaller set of these impulses that are pretty universal to all human beings, regardless of who you are, where you come from. It's just something that sort of like exists within us. So I started to do all this research um, and identify these impulses. Um, And then I realized once I identified them, that each one of them also has this very often kind of quirky set of behaviors and tendencies and preferences that get wrapped around them. Um, these form archetypes and I call them sparkotypes just because it's kind of a fun way to say there it's the archetype for work that sparks you. So I spent a lot of my life trying to figure out or a lot of the last 20 years working on this, developing it and trying to figure out like, okay, so if, can we identify these in our own lives? Because if we can, and then we can find ways to express them in our work, then it, the work becomes sort of like this pure conduit for the expression of that innate impulse that gives us the feeling of being alive. Like we're doing the thing we're here to do. And even when it's really, really hard, which it may be, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Even when, you know, like it, it leaves us empty, even when we stumble, even when we're going through rough times, if we're doing that, it, it keeps us going in ways that that same level of effort that's misaligned with that impulse just never gets us to. So that's where you came up with Sparked. I did. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea originally, you know, it starts as a hunch, um, having observed my own behavior, um, then working with a lot of different people who are building different things. And then, um, as you mentioned, I've had the great fortune of being able to sit down with so many of the world's leading researchers, creators, luminaries in almost every field on the planet for nearly a decade now and learn from them. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. And ask them all the questions that I'm fiercely interested in and start to see all these different patterns. And so this is all sort of distilled into this body of work. Um, but but until 2018, this was all sort of like in my head and it was it was getting a lot of clarity. And then 2018, we did something that took it to an entirely different level. You know, I said, okay, so we, we have these set of 10 archetypes or sparkotypes. And wouldn't it be cool if I could actually build something that would let me either validate or invalidate this idea? And I was cool if it was all just, if it was going to get blown up. And at the same time, serve as a tool for anybody 
to pretty quickly discover what their imprint for work that makes them come alive is Mm -hmm. so that they could then start the work of figuring out how to actually do in the world. So we spent the entire year building an assessment, the Sparkotype assessment, and we released it into the world at the end of 2018. I was so unprepared for what would happen next. So since then, more than 500,000 people have completed this with thousands more doing it every week, you know, generating over 25 million data points. So we went from having an idea to that was based on a lot of observations and years of experimentation and research and talking to really, really smart people in different domains of science to then being able to validate that with a big data set and so many people actually coming back to us after they've learned this and saying, oh, this, this is really powerful. Like this has told me something is real in my life and I feel seen in a way that I hadn't seen before. Um, and it became inevitable that we would just deepen into this body of work and build something bigger around it because um, not only were the ideas really powerfully validated, but now we've got a way for actually anybody to understand what this deeper impulse is for them and then start the work of like saying, okay, so how do I allow this to show up in the work that I'm doing in the world? Because I want to feel, I want this feeling. Um, Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menuno's Facebook group and Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. And the feeling that I'm talking about, by the way, I keep using the word coming alive, right? Which is kind of a nebulous word, like when it comes down to it, like, well, what is that? So, so it actually has five components, you know? So meaning is one of them. I want to feel like what I'm doing actually matters. It gives me a sense of meaning, right? Two is flow. I want to be able to drop into that state where just like the world vanishes away. I blink and it feels like I've been working for five minutes, but it's actually been eight hours because it is just so immersive and joyful. I'm excited and energized by the work. I get up in the morning. I'm like, oh yeah, I want to do so much more of this. Even if I know it's going to be really hard, I'm just drawn to it. And it gives me energy back. I feel like all parts of me are being expressed that I'm not holding anything back. I'm not stifling parts of myself when I show up and do this thing. And finally, it gives me a sense of purpose, both immediately, like I'm working towards something that matters. And more broadly, like I have a sense of purpose in life. I feel like I'm doing the thing that I'm here to do. And we've actually done some follow-up research that shows that the more you do the work of your sparkotype, the more likely that you are to say that you experience all five of those states. So when I talk about coming alive, I'm talking about kind of like the sweet spot between all five of those things happening. So how, 
How did you come up with the sparkotypes? Was it just a collection of data of of different kind of personalities? Because I'll tell you guys, I did the I did the um the test, and it's at sparkotypes.com. Sparkotype.com. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it was so cool. I mean, I I have to say some of the questions I didn't know how to even answer. So I just went to the middle and I was like, okay, that seems neutral. I don't know how to answer this. So I'm going to go neutral. But then when I knew, I knew one way or the other, yes, this is totally me. No, this is not me. And then when it spit out my sparkotypes, so you have your, um, let me see here. Hold on. I have it right here. Um, you have your primary, which I'm not going to share yet, uh, your shadow, and then you have your anti, um, spark type. So tell me a little bit about that. And then I kind of want to get into, um, the different ones and then we can share cause Kelsey took it too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so when we built this tool, the assessment, um, we developed it using prompts where we, we essentially crafted language around those five states that I was just talking about to try and tease out, like, when do you feel like um, you're doing things um, in a particular way? And it's giving you this feeling. It could be the feeling of purpose or meaning or flow, the things that we had, had talked about. And in these 10 different ways that you could possibly exert yourself. Um, I kind of don't like the fact that it distilled down to 10 because it feels a little bit too packaged, too, too markety, like too slick. But that's kind of where the research started. You know, we started with nearly every imaginable list of jobs and roles and titles. <laughs> and kept asking, which is a big list, by the way. Holy moly. I kept asking, what's underneath that? What's underneath that? What's underneath that? What is the driver? What is the driver? Until, you know, you, you start having repeats and all these different things. And it distilled down to these 10 different impulses to exert yourself in particular ways. You know, um, and when you, you say mentioned exert are, yourself, explain that. Yeah. So 10 different ways to work. Yeah. Um, meaning like I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to work. That may be the thing that I get paid to do. It may be a role that I have, maybe as a caretaker, maybe I love somebody in my family and I'm going to be there and, and take care of them 18 hours a day, but it's, I'm exerting myself. That's work. I, I will never ask for a dime for it, but that's just what I'm doing. It may be a devotion that you have. Um, it's, it's an amazing blessing when you can actually do this and have it be the central thing in your life where you're also earning your living doing it. So when I talk about exert effort or talk about work, I'm kind of talking about the same thing, but I also want to make clear that it doesn't necessarily have to mean your job, the thing you get paid for. It may be a blend of different things that include that. So, you know, we started there and as we built out the assessment and the tools, um, we start to realize that there was a lot of um, just commonality in what people were doing. And then we start to realize that, okay, so none of us are one thing. Mm-hmm. We all tend to have a blend of different things. You know, and if you've taken other assessments, which I'm guessing a lot, you probably have, and yep. so many people watching probably have, there's so many great tools and assessments out there that tell us things about our personality and our relational styles. And But what I didn't see was something that was really specific to the question of what is the deepest impulse in me that gets me up in the morning and makes me want to work hard towards something for no other reason than the feeling that it gives me. Which is great that's because what this is. what's great about that, sorry to interrupt you, is that is what's going to tell you what to do with your life. The thing that gets you up and excited is what you should be doing with your life. So you're a- answering that, you know, primary question 
with that feeling. Yeah, exactly. And then as you, as you noted, you know, because we're complex people um, and it's never just one thing, what we start to realize is there tend to be two strongest impulses and then one that's on the exact opposite side of the spectrum. So you shared, there's this thing called the primary sparkotype. And you can kind of think of that as your strongest impulse for work that makes you come alive. Then we have something called the shadow. Now, people who are familiar with different archetypes or the Jungian system, they think of shadow or shadow work like, ooh, that's the dark side of us. When we talk about it, I talk about it differently. This is the, you can think of it either as the runner up impulse, like the next strongest, but there's often this really more nuanced relationship, which is it's the thing you do in order to be able to do the work of your primary better. So I'll give you an example to make it a lot clearer. So my primary spark type, I'm, I'm the maker. So for me, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, my impulse is to make ideas manifest. It's all about the process of creation for me. I have been that way from the earliest memories in my life. I've been assembling things, building things, painting, making houses, making businesses, brands, books, media experiences. The process of creation gets me up in the morning. And if I can make things that move people so much better. So that is my strongest impulse. It has been for life. My shadow sparkotype is what I would call the scientist. And the impulse for the scientist is to figure things out, to, to find answers to burning questions, solutions to puzzles, quandaries. Generally, the bigger, the more complex, the more wicked and thorny, the better, right? <laughs> so for me, because the scientist is not my primary, it's my shadow, here's the way it works. I wake up and I'm like, I need to make something really cool. And I'm working, maybe I'm building a business and I'm, I'm all this generative stuff. And then I hit a wall and I'm like, ooh, there's this problem that has to be solved. There's this really kind of wicked thing that has to be figured out. It's not really part of the creation process. It's more of a stumbling thing where if I don't figure it out, I can't keep moving forward with building. So my scientist impulse kicks in and it's, it's like, okay, figure this thing out, go deep into your problem solving mode and work out the solution. The minute I have enough of a solution to go back to the process of creation, I tap out on the scientist side. So the scientist makes me a much better maker. It's in service of being able to be the best maker that I can. And then there was that one last side, like the opposite side of the spectrum that you talked about, which funny enough is something that um, people tend to like to talk about a lot more than their strongest impulses. We call it the anti-sparkotype. Think of this as your weakest impulse or the thing that empties you out the most, requires the most motivation. And when you do it, very often requires the greatest amount of recovery. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad at it. You may have to do this as part of your work. As a lifelong entrepreneur, right? There are tons of things that I really don't like doing, but until I actually have the money and the resources to actually be able to pay other people to do it, I just have to kind of suck it up and do it. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to be really good at the work of my anti-sparkotype, which is what I call the essentialist. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. And that is all about creating order from chaos, systems, process, all this stuff. That work makes me want to just curl up in a corner and cry. (laughs) I I literally want nothing to do with that, but it's so important to the job, right? So until I can find someone else to do it. So the, the producer of our podcast, Lindsay, she's an essentialist. She runs this massive, complicated editorial calendar with like 40 episodes in production at any given time. And that, that's how she, her brain thinks she loves doing it. She would line up her stuffed animals in height and color order as a kid. You know, this is just the way she is. And it was <laughs> inconceivable it. to me, like beforehand, that people like her existed. Yes. I was like, wait, what? Yes. Um, They're so rare. They They're unicorns, by the way. So rare. Um, and when and when people realize that there's an essentialist in their midst, they're like, ooh, I have work for you. Um, so there are all <laughs> sorts of really interesting issues for essentialists too. But um, so that's the impulse for me where like, I've, I've learned to be pretty good at it, but it always takes more than it gives me. And the minute I can actually somehow resource that out, I will. Um, there's a really more interesting nuanced thing that's come up around the anti-sparker types. So we were doing the work around that um, right when we actually closed the pages on the book. And I've actually had some some bigger, deeper insights about it since then. So I'll share this with you. Just because it's the thing that doesn't come naturally to you, or just because it's the thing that tends to take energy from you, does not necessarily mean it's the thing you get to opt out of doing. So for example, one of the sparkotypes we call the advocate, right? The, the, the work of the advocate is to champion ideas, ideals, individuals, communities, Now, you may have a personal value that says, this is really, really important to me, especially for one person or one community or group, you know, and a deeply held value that says, this matters to me. I believe I need to be a part of this. But then your sparkotype or your anti-sparkotype might be the advocate, which means that it doesn't mean that you don't have to do it. But what that tells you is you have a value that says it's really important. So you're going to do it because it matters to you, but there's something inside of you that when you do it, it's very likely still going to take a lot of energy from you Mm -hmm. and require a lot of recovery. So simply knowing this lets you know, okay, so you don't necessarily tap out of doing that work just because you say, well, this is my anti-sparkotype, but you'll understand even when I say yes to it, I need to take care of myself on a higher level than I even thought so that I'm okay through the process of doing it. That's so funny. So um, Pooja's in the booth and and Pooja is our essentialist, it seems. And I've just been getting to know her a little bit more and more um, recently. And Kelsey and I are anti-essentialists and this is true. hate <laughs> creating a spreadsheet, hate organizing. I know I have to do it. I know it's like a successful person's process, right? You got to be organized. So I fight my demons, but I am so glad to have someone on the team that can just, whoop, we just send it over to Pooj. And Kelsey, you should probably be talking to Lindsay about that beautiful color-coded calendar. <laughs> no kidding, right? Um, 
hey, and, <laughs> and so much more. But um, I, I love um, I love all of that. And I really loved as I dug into kind of my sparkotypes, um, the fact that you could apply it in so many different ways. Like, so I will share, dun, 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 I will share go. my test results. Did not think... And by the way, I think this is part of like my shame in life too, like that I have to like get over. Um, I never thought of myself as a nurturer, but that is my primary. Now that would sound crazy to all of you who know me now and know I've taken care of my mom as intimately as I have and how intensely focused I was on her well-being and all of that. And then, you know, I'm crazy about animals. And when I think back to when I was young, I used to see like animals on the side of the road and I used to tell my dad and my mom someday I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to give them all proper burials. It would break my heart. It still to this day hurts me so intensely when I see an animal that just is on the side of the road, just dead. It kills me. I've watched you give like CPR to <laughs> stick bugs. Like I'm not <laughs> kidding. <laughs> That's yeah. so crazy that that blows your mind. Yeah. So, so I, I, I thought it was just cause I loved animals and, you know, um, and all of that, but I, I guess, you know, my primary, I'm a nurturer. I thought I was going to be a performer, right? Thought for sure. Performer was going to be there. It was not. Um, and then my my shadow is sage, which made a lot of sense as I read up on the sage in your book because it's somebody, I'll give you my quick layman interpretation, it's somebody who like lives to learn and share. And when I say that nails it on the head, I as I look at the patterns of my life, I live to learn and share. And what you do so great is you also talk about the pitfalls of everything, right? So it's mm. like, here are the things you got to watch out for. You might learn something and try to spit it out too fast. And I wrote in here, um, I don't know why I didn't mark my pages like I normally do so I can reference quickly, but oh, um, yeah, you talk about the stakes being high. And I think that's something that's held me back so much in my life, especially in this forum. I'm so scared because the stakes are so high, right? I'm scared I might get it wrong or I'm going to be criticized for my interpretation of something or, or, you know, I might make a mistake. Heaven forbid we live in such an unforgiving society now that you can't make a mistake. And so it triggers all my perfectionism issues and all of that in life. But uh, I, I'm a nurturer with the sage and then I have the warrior as my anti, mm. which also makes a lot of sense. I mean, even just in the fact that I love organizing people. I love, um, whether mostly for like fun events and, and, you know, things to honor people and, and hosting, which is what my primary profession has always been. So it was very so, good. Can I, can I offer an observation? Please. I'm curious whether this land, lands for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, so your primary sparkotype is the nurturer. So here's a question for you. Okay. All of your years on TV, of years of hosting, right? Ooh. In your mind, you're like, I'm performing, oh right? My God. But what's actually happening there? What's actually happening there? You're taking care of millions of people. You're making them wow. feel at peace, at ease. You're letting them know the world's going to be okay. I'm going to show up every day and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to hold you through all the stuff that's going on, right? You're sitting there and saying like, 
I'm going to be your anchor, right? You you show up and I'm going to show up and I'm going to lift you up with me. And if you're down one morning, you can turn things on and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to help you understand that the world's going to be okay. You know, so to you, you're using performance as a channel to express and nurture impulse. That, so that's what I see from the outside looking in. I'm curious whether that lands with you. Oh, a billion percent, but I'm going to add to it because I, so this show was a once a week show that went to every day because when COVID hit, I wanted to be with people. I wanted to be every day with people going through it together. And I also, when I look back, just as you started even talking, I could feel it coming through. My goal was to help the person I was interviewing, generally speaking. So in the, in the celebrity world, it's always about getting the dirt and whatever. So I was the one who would circumvent and be like, hey, <laughs> damn, they kind of want this from you. Just FYI. How do we, how do we get around this? How do we work together? How do we, or just say, we don't want to talk about this. Like I would help them. And, and in fact, sometimes even in helping them, they delivered the things that my bosses wanted because they knew I wasn't trying to get them. I was being honest. Um, I would protect them. I was a fierce protector of all of them behind the scenes. I would protect them from themselves sometimes if they said something that I knew was maybe not going to be helpful for them. Now, I didn't catch it all the time, I'm sure, but that was my goal behind the scenes to was to be their kind of secret kind of bodyguard and protector. And... And then even in um, my show, my segments on the Today Show or Nightly News, it was always about um, helping people and how do I get people to understand someone else? You know, how do I help people understand the plight of the immigrant child in this country and the pressures that are placed on them or, you know, whatever it is, an illness. And so, yeah, I was a nurturer through my work. Shit, I had no clue. It, it makes sense. And it's, it's so interesting, right? Because, and this is one of the really cool things we found about the sparkotypes. Now that there's, we've like such a big data set and so many people are exposed to it is that you can't always assume. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria. My mom would say in her Greek accent, Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. That you know what somebody's impulse is just from the outside in. And they may not even know, which is one of the reasons that I love this work because yep. it like it like it reintroduces you to you. Yes. It it lets you see something about yourself that you probably you've already you, you always knew, but maybe you kind of said, well, this is not really what's going on. But then when you see this reflected back, you're like, oh, 
oh, this actually is really what's happening. And this is, this really matters and it's real. And then you have language to, to, to explain yourself to yourself and then to actually, you know, like share with other people. And that was such a huge part of, you know, what I hope to accomplish with all of this work. But I, I love that reflection from you. Um, it, it rings. So too, the other thing that tends to be a really, really dominant um, trait in people who are nurturers is a really high level of empathy. Mm. You tend to feel everything that's going on around you. And that can be the joy and the elation, the celebration, but also the, the pain and the suffering. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, and you'll take it on yourself. Yeah. And that can be something which is really hard to deal with. Um, and we know that you have been in years of seasons where people very close to you, like we're like, and if you're that person um, and then you're going through your own struggle, mm-hmm. that can just be a brutally hard thing to do because the nurturer in you also will say, um, but my, my role on this planet, like my thing is to make sure other people I, I care about are okay. So who am I to focus any energy on me right now? Mm-hmm. And that can be a really big tension that nurturers tend to feel. Yeah. I think I'm unpacking a lot of that right now because for me, it was like, well, mine isn't as serious as hers. I can't even get to mine. We're dealing with life and death here. We have to focus there. Um, it's funny when I, I was reading and I, I saw the different um, uh, sparkotypes. So there's the maven, the maker, the scientist, the essentialist, the performer, the sage, the warrior, the advisor, the advocate, and the nurturer. I wrote number one, performer, number two, warrior, just from what I thought a warrior would sound like. Cause I know when I have to go to battle, I can go to battle. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> and so I was kind of thinking of it in that way. And then I wrote advisor question mark. <laughs> and so um, it was such a cool process to go through and to get to know and reacquaint myself and, and kind of discover things that I don't know. I just think that sometimes we don't see ourselves the way other people see us. And that's why it's always nice to have conversations with people who are evolved or are are good at seeing people that right nobody feels like anyone is seen and so when someone sees you you're like oh wow and then you can kind of go explore well you don't need to wait for somebody you can just read this book take the quiz and then Jonathan is helping you see yourself uh in black and white and then you can go back and kind of trace the well why didn't I see this about myself you know, like I remember my dad saying some very distinct things like, oh, Maria, if anybody's going to take care of us, is going to be Pita about my brother. And they used to just kind of disregard me as like, because I was very focused on what I wanted to do, but I was very focused that I wanted to do what I wanted to do to take care of them. And I don't think he knew that because it's not something you express when you're a kid. Um, but I had a very, very clear goal. And when I met Kevin at 19, he said, why do you want to make it so bad? And I said, I want to give my parents the life they never had. And I want to be able to take care of them. And so it was so funny to see, obviously the way things turned out. And I started fully taking care of them 360, you know, health, finances, everything. I think it by 24, I took over everything. Um, but it's so funny to see, you know, that kind of, that thing that you never thought you were, you've been all along. I mean, it kind of like blows my mind. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, um, 
we, we tend to get two things, um, hear two things over and over and over when people discover these things about themselves. One is, um, I feel validated. And, and granted, nobody can validate you from the outside in. But if you have an experience that just reflects back at you a deeper truth that you kind of can't deny, and then immediately all the pieces of the puzzle start to just line up, you're like, oh, oh yeah, like that is in fact the red thread that has been following me through my whole life. And the other one is what we were talking about earlier, which is they say, I feel seen. Mm. Um, and I feel like right now in the world that we're living in, so many of us are walking through life feeling like we're not seen mm-hmm. or we're seen for the facade or we're seen for, you know, like this, this image of ourselves that we feel like we need to project out into the world, but nobody really sees the real us and the, the experience of feeling seen, um, even by no one else than yourself, but actually being like, oh, like just having that feeling to me is so profound. When I was writing the book with each chapter, it was almost like I was putting on a different hat. And I would go into this place and I, and I was just asking myself based on two decades of research and working with so many different people and having so much reflected back to me and so many stories, like my, my mantra, my intention was, will this make this person feel seen? You know, like every, with every word, mm. I just kept thinking to myself, will they feel seen? Because if they weren't, then I'm not doing my job right now. And there's no reason to keep writing. Um, and, um, and I hope I hit that mark. Oh, the, yeah. the early feedback has been that I have, but um, yeah. that was, that is so much of the intention I brought to it because I just feel like there's so much suffering mm-hmm. that we don't even realize where it's coming from, but so much of it is we're living under the weight of hiding, even from ourselves. And if we, if I can just sort of like peel back the curtain a little bit and let a lot of, a little bit more light in, um, I think it's a really good time for that to be happening right now too. Oh, it's such a gift. We always say it's such a gift to see someone else. So um, this is such a great way to kind of do it in a mass <laughs> in a mass production kind of way where everybody can can feel that feeling. Um, yeah, it's it's so fascinating. I, I really was just and it was such a quick read. It was so um, invigorating. I felt just like really. Um, I felt like I was coming to life just reading all of it and, and, and understanding myself better. And it, I think is propelling me in this like moment in my life where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm headed in the right direction because not, I, I, the, the thing I didn't understand about myself and, you know, Kevin and I would kind of bump heads, my husband and I, we've been together 23 years, I think. Yeah. I think that's the math. Okay. 23 years is he would always be so frustrated with me because I didn't care about my name being in a show title or my name in lights and and the business didn't really define me. It was just like, holy shit, I get to do this. This is so cool. Like I loved it and I knew I wanted to be in it my whole life. Um but it was more of a means to to accomplish the goal, which was a to have resources to never suffer because I watched my parents suffer and, and to have that kind of extraordinary life where I got to do all these cool things and, and give back to my family. Um, and now, even as I'm talking, I'm just starting to understand so much more about why that was never my driving force was performing Mm. was never my driving force. I know I can have fun doing it, but I think it's more of the nurturing 
and the learning and the sharing that lights me up. Now, like I said, I'm shot out of a cannon. If I'm hosting generally, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much fun, especially if it's live because I love people and I love making people feel good and have fun. Um, But I'm starting to understand why even after surgery, I was like, I never needed this. Why did I get into this place where I, I've become a workaholic and I'm I'm doing so much and I'm so getting so drained. I wasn't getting anything really back. Um, and now I understand it's not really my primary driving force. Yeah, it's more, it's a mechanism, which which is great and which is fun and which is joyful and which you're really good at it. So at this point, if it came easy to you in the beginning, it probably comes really easy to you. But what you just said, part of what you just said was like, I love people. I love making people feel good, right? So performing is just a mechanism for you to make people feel good. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that you're doing that and doing it in a way that where you have fun and you like being around people too, um, it just all compounds into this feeling of like, yeah, this feels right. Um, but like you said, also there's, you know, that doesn't mean that there's um, doing it all the time every day, every, all of your waking hours, uh, there are ways to do that destructively as well as ways to do that constructively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why with this show, I feel like I get to do everything. I, I have this age where I'm learning and growing and sharing and I love helping people. So I know that with this show, I get to help people. Um, and, you know, through my experiences with my mom the last five years and, and really, seeing that nurturing side, which even my husband was like, I didn't know you had this in you. And I'm like, when did I have time to show it people? As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I was working like a gerbil in a wheel, like a nonstop machine. So I, I didn't have time to be a nurturer. I couldn't even like, you know, take care of myself. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny. I get to do it all through here, which is, which is so fun. Um, I want to get to Kelsey's. So Kelsey, what was your primary? Okay. So this is funny because I, I told myself. I knew this was going to be your first one. this is what I was going to say. Maria. Because this one is like, I was going to do a show when I was younger. It was going to be called, it's me, Kelsey. (laughs) I'm like, I know what yours is. So, But it's so funny because I didn't think this was going to be mine. And then I was telling Maria and she's like, are you kidding me? Of course. So it's just so funny that like, we don't always see ourselves. So yeah, I was the performer (laughs) and my second one was the nurturer. But it's funny because I do have, I literally wrote this down when you were talking. It's like, I do have this poll because getting this validated my performer self, but I've always felt like, oh, I love to do this. This performing like gives me a high, but then I had this weird, like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that because like, why should I be the center of attention? I need to take care of everyone else. So it's like the weird pull between like that performer and the nurturer. 
Um, but yeah, so it was, it was interesting when Maria was like, oh, I knew that. And I was like, oh, really? To me, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, of course. But I didn't think that that was going to be my first thing. And then my anti was the essentialist, which was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Not surprised. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting relationship between the performer and the nurturer too, um, which is that, you know, you can view... They, they actually tend to work really well together, which is a little bit odd. You know, like it's not sort of like an obvious relationship, but you know, um, so the the impulse of the performer is not necessarily to be a performing artist, which is where it's often channeled because mm-hmm. it's sort of like the logical first impulse. But the deeper impulse is to energize, to animate, to enliven an interaction, an experience, a moment. Um, so you can actually tap the nurture impulse, you know, to create this safe, elevating, really giving environment to bring it alive, to infuse it with energy. And you can almost play back and forth between the two impulses. You can also use the performing impulse, that that, that impulse to make people feel seen and held and cared for and elevated and a part of something like they're not on the outside looking in. So those two impulses mm-hmm. actually, they play back and forth in a really interesting way. And it makes sense because, you know, when she started working with me, it was like, she was the sunshine and I'm like, oh my God, I needed this so badly in my life. I need this sunshine. So I kept saying, oh my God sent you to me. I know it. There's no question. Um, because my sunshine had been dimmed, right? Cause I'm usually the sunshine and I just was so tired And so I needed that sunshine and she is a nurturer and she was with me every step of the way in this last year. Um, And so I feel like why you're so excited every day to get up and like yesterday, you're like, oh my God, I feel like everything's happening. It's so exciting. It's because you're filling your buckets too, Yep. right? Yep. You are performing in a different way. I'm performing in a different way. Um, We're helping people, which is something that we have a passion for. And so that's why you're like, you're firing on all cylinders. It makes sense because I've always like, always my whole life, my one one thing I would say is like, I get energy from people. Like when I'm with someone and like, I can get them to light up, then I'm like, I get so high off that. It's crazy. Like there are people who are like, no, I can't go out at night or I can't go do this because it drains me. I'm like, oh no, throw me in because I can go for days. So it makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Um, and, and Kelsey also, you know, you're the performer doesn't necessarily have to be the one that's forward facing, which is a little mm. bit counterintuitive also. Mm-hmm. You're like right now you're playing, even if we never heard from you during this entire conversation, you're playing a critical, critical role yeah. in taking this moment, this interaction, this experience, and filling it, infusing it with energy and aliveness. And you'll do even more in post-production and all this other stuff. So, so it's also like, you know, good to know that it doesn't necessarily mean you're the person who's forward facing, but you want to be a part of that experience, a part of making, you know, moments magic. I love that. I want to know now how, so we find our sparkotype. Now, how do we go live our life using our sparkotype? How do we make money and thrive using it? Yeah. So, and it's different for each one of the different sparkotypes. So for some of them, they're like pretty straightforward conventional ways to do it. So for someone like, uh, you know, the scientist, which is one of the sparkotypes I brought up, you know, which is all about problem solving, burning questions, figuring out big complex puzzles. 
there are so many different ways that you can do that because basically the world is is a problem um, in need of solving, or it's billions and billions of problems. People get paid. Like the way you start a business is is enough people have a problem, and you figure out a solution to it, and people pay you for it. Um, so there are all sorts of really logical, like there are a million ways to take that impulse and do it. Some of the archetypes are less obvious. So for example, the maven, and that impulse is all about learning. It's knowledge acquisition. You could literally lose yourself. Just you geek out on a topic. And maybe if it's a big, vast, complicated topic, you spend months or years going deep into it. You Google everything. You read every book, you watch every documentary, listen to every podcast, and, and you just want more and more and more and more and more. Well, who's going to pay you to do that, <laughs> right? So there aren't necessarily really obvious ways to do that. So the maven, when you think about how do I earn a living doing this, that very often happens in one of two ways. One, you become part of a team or a collaboration or a group of people where you work together and like you're the domain expert. You're the one who knows everything about this one particular thing. And then you work with the other people to unlock the economic value of that so that you become an invaluable member of a team. Or the other way it very often happens for mavens is the work of your shadow spark type may be much more outward or service facing. So like you might be a maven who has a shadow spark type of the sage, which is all about sharing and awakening insight. It's illumination, teaching in all sorts of different ways. So you'd be learning all this other stuff and then you're like, huh. I'm going to figure out a way to share what I know, whether it's teaching it in a traditional teaching setting or being a person who is you know, like a mentor or a guide or a coach or whatever it may be. But for you in this weird way, that other thing is just a funding mechanism for your ability to spend as much time as you can learning as much as humanly possible, just lost in that sort of like space of learning. So there are all sorts of different ways that you can top your impulses to either just follow a lot of just really logical ways, you know, the conventional ways to do it, or if it's not super apparent, figure out how to either work with teams or look at your shadow spark type and say, huh, could that be the unlock mechanism for me to be able to effectively fund this other impulse? Um, and that shows up in nearly all different ways. And so it's really unique to each one of the different spark types, but, but fundamentally, you know, the question is, that, that we get so often when people discover their spark type is they're like, okay, this comes up a lot. They're like, okay, so I've learned this thing. It feels really true to me. It's spot on. And now I'm looking at the work that I'm doing and I really don't see any way, like it just doesn't line up at all. So what do I do? Like, am I just busted? Mm. Do I need to just, you know, like shut down, walk out, go start over doing something else? And my answer is absolutely not. That may end up being you know, like the, the path that you take down the road, but is absolutely, it's the last step, not the first step. Do not blow up what you have right now, just because you don't see an immediate obvious way to do this thing in your current mm -hmm. work, especially now when the world is really topsy-turvy. And a lot of us really have this value of financial security. If you've got something that's taking care of you, that should not be the first thing that you look to do. Instead, what you want to do is start to say, huh, so I know this impulse that I have now, or this set of impulses. Let me think about what are like the activities, the tasks, the processes, where when I do them, it, it's like a, a complete channel for this impulse. And what are the different tools or platforms or technologies 
that I can use that allow this impulse to get out? What are the topics or areas of focus that would really allow me to channel this into my work? Now, once you start to identify those and you look back at your work and you ask yourself, huh, is there any way for me to reimagine or reinvent what I'm doing? Like, is there a little way where I can let this out here and, and another way to let it out here and another way to let it out here? And what you find is so often that you can actually completely reimagine what you're doing in ways that fall often outside of your initial job description, the thing you were hired to do, but you do it simply because it brings more of what you need into the experience of work. It lets you come more fully alive. Um, And that's the starting place for everything. Make what you have as good as you can get it, light it up as much as you can first. And very often people realize that what they thought was unfixable was just something that they had to jettison from their lives actually becomes something which is not just tolerable, but actually really nourishing in a lot of ways. I think that's great. I know in the book, you were like, okay, now you know your spark type. Do not quit your job. <laughs> I love that the big disclaimer was there. Um, I think for me and Kelsey, we're lucky that our work is encompassing of our spark types, which is so cool. Um, <clears throat> and for those who are listening, um, you know, and if you haven't already paused us and gone and done the the quiz, which I hope you guys have so that you can engage in this conversation in a different way. I was going to stop you guys and I totally forgot because I got so deep into this. Um, You know, for those of you who are like, wait, these are not aligned with what I do. That's what, you know, my husband, Kevin would always teach everybody is there's a way to incorporate something that's going to fill your soul and your cup into your life, no matter what. So if you are a nurturer and your job, you know, you're not in that position, but you can find, I think, some semblance of it in anything, right? Even if you're a lawyer, you're nurturing your client, right? You're trying to make them feel like, okay, we got this, you know, we're going to do it. Um, But you can go volunteer and you can do things that will make you feel like you're satisfying the nurture side of you. Yeah, a hundred percent, you know, and there, there are some folks who have this deeply held value of financial security, which is totally cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't, and, and it's, it's such a fierce value for them. And it may be because they came from a background with tremendous instability. So they're like, I will not go there again in my mm-hmm. life. This means too much to me. So then they do the work of optimizing the job that's actually giving them financial security. And they realize, well, it's gotten me a lot, a lot closer. Like now it's okay. It's not just completely gutting or draining, but it's not completely letting me up. So now, just like you said, then you start to say, okay. Well, what else can I do? What can I, what other fun things can I do? What hobbies, what devotions, what passions, what side hustles, even if it's not a money-based side hustle, can I do that will then keep giving me more of this thing in all the different parts of my life so that the blend of what I'm doing both honors this value for financial security and at the same time gets you as close as humanly possible to that feeling of coming alive for as much of the day as you have. So cool. This is so, so exciting, guys. So the book is called Sparked. Discover your unique imprint for work that makes you come alive out Tuesday, September 21st. We're going to link the book inside the description. Um, And so you can pre-order the book and you can listen to his podcast and discover uh, your sparkotype and and so much more. Um, it's called the Good Life Project podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll link to that as well. We'll put your website, we'll put your Instagram, we'll put it all in there. And I love the cover. 
as I'm pretty sure I remember you said you des- you designed it yourself. As 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 a maker, I actually did design a cover myself. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember that because I did the same thing um, to Harper Collins. I was like, I already oh, have the cover. <laughs> They're like, what? Yep, I've, I was like, yep, I've, I designed I've, I've, it. Yeah, as a four time author now, I've kind of learned that lesson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when you have a vision, you have a vision. What are you gonna do? You do. Um, Jonathan, this was so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing and for being with us this week and, um, and, and helping people be seen all around the world. I think this book is going to help so many people. I know it helped me. Mm, Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. And just thanks so much for creating the time for us to have this conversation. It's been, it's been kind of magical and I really appreciate it. Thanks. You know, I have to ask on a non-book subject, your original story about why you left law and, and getting sick with your appendix and all of that literally made me realize that you are probably here right now for a reason other than just your book. And it's because that young lady in the booth has been investigating her health very deeply because she's got an investigator next to her that's like, we need to figure this out. She had her appendix removed and her... Um, theory is that they either left something in or something happened. And when I was hearing your story, it just made so much sense because she's got some stuff. So if you have a second, I would love to have her share so that maybe something that you know from your own experience could help her. Yeah, of course. Kels, you down? Well, I was down, but then my audio wasn't up. I'm down. (laughs) No, and I thought the same thing. When I heard that, I was like, huh? Yeah. People are always in our path for a reason in the right moment. And she's in that moment where doctors are not really listening and they're, you know, kind of, you know, whatever. Go ahead. Okay. So it's just crazy. So I had my appendix taken out uh, two-ish, three-ish, no, two years ago now. And the one thing that I think is wild with it is they were so freaked out because I was really sick. Same with you. Couldn't, couldn't walk. I had so many people who were like, oh, you know, it's fine. Your stress is manifesting, blah, blah, blah. So they, I went to the um, urgent care and they were like, yeah, you're fine. But thank God they took my blood work because they sent me home. Three days later, they were like, oh my God, your blood showed an infection. Come in. But, But I was feeling better. So they were so freaked out that it had exploded. And then I went and sat in the ER for seven hours. It was ridiculous. Anyways, point being, they told me that my appendix was like, dead like dead dead had died and so i feel like it had probably and the way he said it too was like it's been dead for a minute like probably those three days so i think that thing probably sat in there dead for two three days by the time they took it out anyways so now i've just had these i've had stomach issues for a minute but especially the last year year and a half i've just had all this massive stuff i just got diagnosed with SIBO which is bacterial i know SIBO can translate and kind of correspond with if you've had an appendectomy, the, you know, ileocecal valve, anyways, all of this stuff. So, and the blockage and, and yeah, and impacted bowel, like it's just wild. So I feel like there's no coincidence with the appendectomy. Um, so yeah, Maria was giving me the eyes when you were saying that. And I was like, I know it's crazy, but that's kind of my long, or I mean my short version of my story. It is, you know, um, the thing that just keeps like the, the flashing thing in my head as you're saying this is um, listen to your intuition when it comes to things like this. I, people are dismissed so often 
when the answer isn't obvious and clear and it doesn't show up as something just completely clear on a traditional test. It's one of the reasons why I'm a huge fan of functional medicine because they tend to think system-based mm-hmm. um, rather than just, oh, there's a pain here. And also they will at times test for a wide variety of different things in your body that, you know, like your traditional CBC blood count type of thing doesn't test for. I'm not a doctor, um, but at the same time, I'm a huge believer in like the fact that like really listen to your intuition. And there's also a dear friend of mine who is a functional medicine physician um, who's done a lot of research on um, how women are treated um, by physicians compared to how men are treated. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of data that shows that if a woman shows up with a particular set of symptoms or complaints, um, she will be dismissed way more often than a man with the identical set of symptoms and complaints is dismissed as being, well, it's in your head or Crazy. deal with it or all these different things. So um, yeah, find the team, find the people who will acknowledge the fact that you know yourself and will validate, will treat you, you know, like with, with equity and with dignity and listen to what you're sharing with them. Um, and, and don't stop until you find those people. Yeah. I think if you had an infection in your blood, it must have ruptured and then it died. Right? Like, wouldn't I don't know. the rupture almost make you feel better in a sense? Oh, right. So that's And maybe what... that's why you felt better. Maybe it ruptured a little and then it died. And that's what has been leaking through your system and creating all these other things that have messed you up. Potentially, because that's what when, when you feel better after you, like it's been discovered that you had um, appendicitis, that they freak out because they're like, oh God, that's, you usually feel better when it ruptures. Ooh. But mine... Yours didn't rupture though, right? Mine was in the process of rupturing when they took oh. it out, which is probably what, what caused the problem because some of the infection was left That's inside sexist, of me right? because of that. Ooh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. We're getting closer, Kelsey. That's We're right. getting we closer. Are. We are. Um, we'll keep you posted on <laughs> We'll keep you posted on Kelsey's Let me appendix. Know. Keep in the loop. <laughs> we will. We will. Um, I want the, a daily text. All right. You can have it. In the meantime, thank you so much. And I look forward to our next conversation. Um, and in the meantime, Heal Squad, get the book. It's called Sparked. Discover your unique imprint for work that makes you come alive. You'll have the link to it in this episode summary. And uh, as you know, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.